Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello, welcome back everyone. This is Sarah. And this is Katie. Ah, we're a day late, but we're here. We're but here. we are here. We are recording on a Friday. It's a Friday night for me. That's how much I love you guys. I know. But Thank you so it. much, Sarah, for... <laughs> she's doing this on a Friday night. Seriously, the things we do sometimes. Sometimes I get up very early and Sarah stays up late. And we do it because we love you and we love this podcast. We do. And I was like, all right, let's see when we can fit in. I have dinner reservations at 730. Katie, let's do 536 and see what happens. And we are, we're doing it, you guys. <laughs> doing it. It's early for Katie. I am hangry, but we are going to do it. I just keep thinking of our dinner reservations. And I'm like, hey, just an hour do you, and I'm going to. Do you want to share with the people where you're going to dinner or what you're going to have for dinner? Yes. So I'm going to a place which the Berliners listening are going to be like, oh, my God, she's there like every other weekend. I'm obsessed with this place. It's called Salt and Bone. It's mm. where... I had my bachelorette dinner, like bachelorette party dinner thingy, and then I we've just gone. Like Greg and I go there quite often for dates because it's like owned by, I think it's like an Irish and, and a British couple, and so it's like more of the pub vibes, but it's cool. just good food. It's like yummy home, like it's just comfort food. So I nice. think I'm gonna get. Ah, what am I going to get? They have really yummy like starters, like this broccoli salad thing with like fried chicken and it's like Parmesan fried chicken. It's Oh, yes. Yum. Um, And then I think for my main, I'm going to get this yummy roast chicken they do with like chorizo and mashed potatoes. It's so fucking good. You're getting everyone hungry. I know. I'm hungry and it's morning. (laughs) I'm getting so hungry. I'm going to fucking kill it. So. Make sure and you bless, be miserable. Make sure you bless your food that it'll strengthen and nourish your body. <laughs> Dear Celestial <laughs> Jesus, can you please bless the fried chicken and chorizo so that it doesn't block my arteries? Thank you very much. Love can you. Can you please Bye. bless this glass of wine, this sparkling wine, that it will <laughs> nourish my body? My body. Thank you. Thank you very much. In the name of Satan. Amen. Amen. <laughs> oh, we got a great uh, message. I, I don't know if it was a DM or an email, but we got a great message from a listener that said, when we closed our Satan episode, we said, in the name of Satan, amen. We should have said, in the name of Satan, woman, not instead of a, or a woman, not a men, because. Oh know, my God, women. that's true. <laughs> I've never even noticed that. Yeah. A woman. A woman. Yeah. A woman. <laughs> I just made a little cross symbol with my hands right now. Oh my God, I love that. The visual. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, we have a very extremely special treat today. I'm sitting here with my coffee, just (laughs) cross-legged, super excited because Sarah has done us all a favor, a huge treat this week, and she has prepared the entire episode, and I have no idea what's coming. Like, I am just here for the ride, and... She treated me to having this week off. So thank you so much, Sarah. And I am giddy. I am so giddy with excitement to hear what this is going to be. <laughs> I mean, it's like the one time I've done it in the three, four years we've been doing oh, podcasting. Stop. You've so. done it a couple of times, so don't even. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I have to give, though, a shout out to our listener, Steph. So I I don't know your pronouns, so I'm going to say they, just to be on the safe side. Um, they sent in an email to our Gmail account just saying like, oh, have you guys heard of this um, true crime story? I just heard about it um, recently, and so they asked if we could cover it. Okay. And you guys know that I love true crime. Katie loves true crime. Like, that is my jam, mm-hmm. so... I was like, oh, let me check it out. And then it just opened a whole door of possibilities. Oh. So <laughs> I think because it also, I mean, it's obviously it's very tragic. So like to preface this, like it's true crime. Someone does die. So it's not, it's not the most cheerful topic, but I think, <laughs> you know, because it is a Mormon one, it connects like to so many other things that you just kind of like, I wrote down thinking, who that's very Mormon or like that. And then they had even better. We'll get down to it a little bit later, but 
they had a segment on Dr. Phil. Right, really? Yeah. And so I watched it and you have the one of the the women is Mormon and just how she talks. As soon as she opened her mouth, I was like, you didn't even have to tell me that she's Mormon. I would have known from her isn't hair and from how so, she talks. Isn't that so fascinating? I've I've begun to do that too. I mean, I've probably done that my whole life just without realizing it, but I'm now becoming aware of when I'm thinking about someone or I see someone, even if it's just in passing and I, or I hear them speak, I'm like, that person's probably Mormon. You can pick up on it, especially being an ex-Mormon. You're like, Oh yeah, I'm I'm picking up on something there. (laughs) I'm picking up on the fact that yeah, something it's not even just like how they speak, but physically as well. Like especially mm-hmm. for Mormon women, it's just like, oh yeah, like you're Mormon. Yeah. You have you to tell. be Mormon. <laughs> um, okay, so shout out, thank you, Steph. Really, really appreciate you um, sending in this topic and suggestion. Loved it. This is your episode, your baby. So thank you. Um, so before we get into it, I just want to cite. So I mainly use this one site, which I think it's a personal. Uh, blog slash someone who does true crime episodes. So it is a blog and it's from Kylie's true crime. Okay. So like Kylie's true crime.com. And then it's the murder of Emmett Corrigan. Okay. Heard of this? No, I have not heard of this. Me either. And it's not like I thought, because this is horrible based on the, the Dr. Phil segment, I was like, God, this must be from like the nineties and how they look. And it's Dr. Phil. I didn't even know he was still on air. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but no it's like you know 2011 I think wow 2012 it's so it's pretty recent relatively recent okay wow yeah. yeah I don't it's not ringing a bell yeah okay so let's get into it let's get into um it. yeah so Emmett Corrigan I think that's how you pronounce his last name he and his wife are Mormon so his wife's name is Ashley they they met in 2003 um, they were both attending Utah State University, so that's where they met. Oh, okay. Which, for those of you who aren't more or didn't grow up Mormon or in Utah, Utah State University is in Logan, right? Uh-huh. Okay. And it's not like the BYU. It's more of like, it's Mormon, but they're also known for this. I, I dated a guy who went there, and I remember him saying there's like some tradition where you have to take a girl to a bluff or some shit and like kiss her your freshman year <laughs> I've never heard of that <laughs> yeah it was, but I mean then, overall like Logan is a very Mormon town but yeah it's not like at least that's not a Mormon school so yeah no and, and it is to be fair I've never been to Logan but from what I've seen it's gorgeous like oh, nature yeah. wise it's really beautiful um, and I've heard good things about the university, but it's still, you know, predominantly Mormon. So yeah, yeah, lots of <laughs> smoking and docking happening in those. Oh no, earthquaking! <laughs> earthquaking. There's a lot of earthquakes happening in Logan for Sick. sure. <laughs> okay, so they met in 2003, and then they right. got married in 2004. Of shocking. course. I mean, they um, waited a year. What? Well, here's the thing. We don't know when in 2003. Oh, true. It could have just been like a couple of months. <laughs> exactly. Because they got married in March 2004. Oh, so they probably I, met in like November 2003. <laughs> they met December 31st, 2003. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry, guys. Just suggesting oh, Rudy the cat has decided that he needs to be part of the episode. Hi, and Rudy. Has- Hey, Rudy. He says hi. He's sniffing the mic right now and adjusting to, to sitting in my lap, which is taking no. five minutes. He's looking now like, what? <laughs> Who just meowed? Okay, back on track. So they met in 2003, got married in 2004, and they had five children together. Okay. Okay. Um, and Ashley, his wife, described Emmett as charismatic. He was excited about life. And in the beginning of their marriage and with their kids, he was a very hands-on father. So, like, very proactive, like, involved in the kids' lives, like, really wanted to be the best father, like, wanted to pursue his dreams. I wonder if he baptized them when they were. Oh, you know he did. Of course he did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, But then Ashley goes on to say that there was a change in Emmett. So that, like, 
proactiveness and being really involved in, in their marriage and in their kids, it changed. Uh-oh. Um, so in 2007, Emmett, Ashley, and the kids, they moved to Spokane, Washington. Oh, wait. So 2007, do they have, they can't have all their kids at this point because they were No, it doesn't. Before. No, they, they okay, didn't. Okay. So they had their fifth kid, I believe, in 2009. So okay. they wow. probably had but... like three or four kids <laughs> by now. Just popping them out, popping them out. Let's move to Spokane. Well, okay. 2004 is when they got married, right? And in 2007, yeah. there's kids, plural. Oh, so they probably plural had kids. at least three. That stresses me out, but okay. I know, <laughs> I know. I know. I have so much respect for mothers in general, but especially mothers who have a lot of kids in a short amount of time. Like, Oof. <laughs> I commend you. I am tipping my hat to you. I could not do it. It seems too nope. stressful. Um. <laughs> Anyway, so they moved to Washington, and he went to Gonzaga Law School. Okay. So it was about an hour commute for him, and it started to take a toll on him and because he was having to commute this hour-long commute every single day, and he just didn't feel like he had as much time to spend with the kids or with his wife, Ashley. Mm-hmm. So in 2009, he finishes law school, and then he gets a new job at a bankruptcy law firm in Boise, Idaho. Oh, Idaho. Oh, oh Boise, Idaho. Oh, Idaho. Why am I saying Idaho like we're from Minnesota? I don't know. I always do it that way, though. I'm always like, Idaho, even though they don't speak like that in Idaho. But I just can't not. Idaho, Utaho. Utaho. I am the hoe. I am. <laughs> So, yeah, so he so they go to Idaho and during that time he's working while also studying for the bar, which eventually he Damn. does. Have so he's doing a lot, right? Like he's, That's married, so he's, he he's kids. Yeah, five kids at this point that are all really little and yeah. he's working full time and studying for the bar. Yeah. So at this time, so he has four kids. Four, and okay. then in 2009, though, Ashley, his wife was also pregnant with their fifth child. Damn, that's just, yeah, wow, a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And at this point, too, Emmett told Ashley that he wanted to open his own practice. Okay. So huh. that's going to be even more stressful, right? So Definitely, yeah. Um. So while Emmett was, like, obviously busy at work and with family life, he ended up telling his coworker, Kelly, that he needed some help because he was just way too busy and would need some assistance. So maybe like a paralegal or someone to help Uh him. Yeah. So he asked her if she knew of anyone. And that is when Kelly said, yeah, I do actually. And he introduced Emmett to a 40 year old married mother of two named Candy Hall. Candy Hall. Yep. I love love candy. candy. And it's K-A-N-D-I. Holy shit. Well, there it is. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. And when you see, like, I'm not going to, like, I'll send the link to you later, maybe to, in the the notes, we can put the one to the Dr. Phil, because, like, when you see (laughs) Candy and Ashley, it's so great. Oh, amazing. It's exactly how you picture them. Um, (laughs) Nice. So, yeah, so Candy was described as she was, like, a really good paralegal. She was really dedicated, professional. Um, and she ended up being hired to his office or to his firm in November 2010. Okay. So because they're really busy and they have a lot going on, it's a new firm or new practice. Um, Andy, or sorry, Candy and Emmett started working long hours together. Oh no, I know where this, I I know where this is going. (laughs) And Ashley said that she noticed the changes in him right away. That he became more distant and just um, less involved. Do um, you know how old Emmett is at this point? Is he near her age or is Candy a, he, a bit older, or older? Candy is older. Okay. All right. I'm not sure how much older, but. Not that it really matters. I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah. I know it was mentioned a few times, like her age to emphasize that she was older, but I didn't say like how much older. Okay. Um. So then Ashley describes a moment she had when she visited Emmett at work one day. So this is, this is so Mormon and I had to like (laughs) highlight this one. So she makes a point to say that Candy had been wearing a short skirt and knee high boots. (laughs) (laughs) She made a point of saying that that is 
so very Mormon. I, yeah. Oh my God. That's amazing because I love that outfit, first of all. I know, but, right? Yeah. I but of course, it. a Mormon is going to point it out and you know, insinuate that it's inappropriate. I remember wearing something similar to that and having Mormon people tell me that I looked inappropriate or that I looked like, like a sex worker, but they didn't use that word. They used an offensive word. Of course word. not. Of mm-hmm. course not. Ugh, they Ugh. <laughs> and, and then it's also like, speaking of the age, like, she also Ashley mentions as well that like she kind of thought that Emmett and Candy were having an affair, like it went through her head. Uh-huh. But then she thought, quote, why would Emmett leave her for this 40 year old woman? Okay. <laughs> Excuse you, Ashley. Like 40 year old women are not a- yeah, 40 year old women are not ancient. <laughs> exactly. It's just a bit like really okay. Um <laughs> Okay, so from there, then, we're going to go to 2011. So, you know, Candy was hired in 2010. This okay. is 2011. So on March 11, 2011, Ashley said she woke up that morning, and she was determined that she wanted to fix her marriage. Like, she really wanted to put in an effort and see if she could fix things. So she, as a good as a good Mormon so- wife. So was she like basically wanting to fix that he was working a lot and like kind of being distant. And so she wanted to, I don't know, I guess like get his attention back again. Is that essentially where her head was? Okay. Because she didn't know, like it wasn't confirmed to her at this point that Emmett and Candy were having an affair. She just had the feeling. Right. Right. Okay. Um, But she just thought maybe he was really busy and they need to put in more effort. So she thought, okay, I'm going to try to fix our marriage by, in a very Mormon wife way, go to the grocery store and cook him dinner. Okay. I mean, I mean, that might work for me, but that would hundred percent work for me. <laughs> Fix me some food and I'm always happy. Always. For real? Yeah. Sort of like, you you make me happy. Up. And then bada bing, bada boom. One thing might lead to another. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Um, so, yeah, so she goes out to the grocery store, she cooks dinner, she's really putting in effort, and then Emmett comes home late and tells her he ate already. Oh, kid, that's so rude. Yes. So she's feeling, you know, obviously Ashley's upset, she's a bit distraught, and, you know, she put in effort, she's trying to make things work out, and then he comes home and says, I've already eaten, which is just shitty. Um, yeah, it'd be especially shitty if, like, because at this point, it's 2011, yeah, like, like we had texting ability, so she should have, like, if she had mentioned it to him, you know, it'd be different if it was like 1995 and he had no idea that there was gonna be dinner ready. But exactly. you know, with technology, it's like, yeah, you can imagine that she like told him, like, I have dinner for you, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He knew. Um, so after that, then. Emmett receives this phone call and she thought, okay, this is a bit weird because he went and took it in the back room. The so sketch, phone, sketch, sketch, goes to the back room and then he hangs up, comes back out and tells her, look, I need to go to Walgreens and the Walgreens that he needed to go to was in Meridian, Idaho. So uh-huh. yeah, just all a bit weird. And then he just leaves. So at 10 22 PM, there's a 911 call that comes in and a woman says she heard three gunshots and that two males and a woman had been involved. A hmm. minute later, Candy Hall called the police and she was heard yelling, Robert, Robert, Robert. What? Yeah. So this okay. is the part where I was like, wait, who the fuck is Robert? Like, yeah. What's going on? Yeah. So when the police arrive, there are two males who are there who were identified as Rob Hall and Emmett Corrigan, and they were both lying on the ground. Rob had a gunshot wound to the head, and Emmett had been shot twice in the chest and in the head. Okay. <gasps> oh, no. So, Emmett Corrigan was pronounced dead, and then oh. Rob Hall was rushed to the hospital, which when I read that, I was like, what the fuck? He had a gunshot wound to the head. How is he not dead? Yeah. Um, Wait, was this at, uh, was that Walgreens? Walgreens? So he really had gone to a Walgreens. Okay. Yeah. So he really went to a Walgreens. This is in the Walgreens parking lot that this happened. Okay. 
Um, so Rob was rushed to the hospital and Candy was transported to the police station for questioning. Okay, so then you have two different stories now because Rob survived. So we have Candy's story and Rob's story. And whoever the hell Rob is. Which we will get to. (laughs) Okay. Think about it. So Candy Hall and Rob Hall. (gasps) Oh, I didn't catch that. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. They're married. Oh, shit. Oh, okay. All right. (laughs) So at the crime scene, which is at Walgreens, (laughs) there were three shell casings that were found. And the murder weapon was found 50 feet away from where Emmett and Rob had been found. Candy would later say that she had tossed the gun after she saw it. Hmm. Okay. Wait, so, why? Why would she? Why would you do that? Yeah, and I don't know if they ever, to be honest, like fully explain that because I thought it was weird too. Why would she toss the gun? Why not like, just leave it where it is if you weren't already holding it? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Um. So then Rob, so Rob went to the hospital, but once he regained consciousness, he was asked why he was at Walgreens. And Rob told the police that his daughter had called him and told him that Candy was there and was feeling like, and they were a bit like weirded out. Like, why is mom at Walgreens? She, so the daughter said she was driving by and she saw Candy's in the car. Okay, so she was like, Dad, I, like, saw Mom's car at Walgreens at this very late hour, and it's weird. Exactly, and it's empty, and it's weird. So then Rob told the police that he, like, he goes there, and that he and Emmett had an altercation. Were they, like, were they, like, hooking up in Emmett's car? Oh, we'll get to it. (gasps) Okay. (laughs) So they fought, and Rob had a gun, and somehow, in the middle of this argument... Emmett grabbed the gun and shot Rob. So Emmett shot first. Is this according is this according to Candy or is this real? This is according to Rob. Okay, okay, according to okay. Rob. Okay. And then in Candy's interview, she told the police that on the night of the murder that she and Rob had a fight and then Rob left and then she texted Emmett and said, "Can you please meet me at Walgreens?" So at 9.10 p.m., Candy arrives at Walgreens, and then she said that she and Emmett talked about life and their marital issues just for chatting or whatever. And then she said that she and Emmett went to put gas in his car. They had sex, and then that's when she received a call from her daughter saying that basically she had seen her mom at Walgreens. And then minutes later, Rob called her. And she said that Emmett asked to speak to Rob on the phone and that he threatened him. I don't know if I'm. Uh Okay. I mean, this timeline is a little bit wonky from what you were telling me earlier. Exactly. Like something's not adding up. I, I mean, it's just a bit weird that. I think you're right. Like, this is what I thought when I read it was that he probably caught them having sex in the car. And yeah. that's what started it because otherwise, yeah. like, it just it doesn't make sense. Like, something got heated. Yeah. But, and why would he take the phone and be like, let me talk to him and threaten him when, like, he has a wife and kids at home, too? Like, they're both married with kids having this affair. Why would he get on the phone and threaten? and i just love this i love the detail too of we went and we got gas in his car and then we got sex we we got gas that's normally sorry guys my mic fell that's normally what i do as well you know we go get gas and then you have sex in the car nothing turns you quite on like the smell of gasoline (laughs) (laughs) exactly (sighs) okay so so this is yeah this is very um i don't know it it's really not adding up that much to me. And also it's, I feel like both of them are painting Emmett out to be the one who was like instigating all of this shit. Exactly. Like something is just an Emmett. And I also found it funny that, or interesting that they were putting all the blame on Emmett because he's dead. He right. can't speak. That's how, yeah, happened. exactly. Right. That's so classic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then there's this question of, was it premeditated murder? So basically when Rob decided to go to Walgreens, he, he can be first seen pulling into the parking lot. So they had 
obviously like CCTV, I'm assuming, and they can yeah. see that he is pulled into the parking lot first and he parks facing the building. He goes <gasps> He's by. there first? Yeah. Well, this changes everything. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wait. No. Sh- yeah, he can first be seen pulling into the lot. So no, maybe I'm wrong. I think it's saying that he first, you can see oh, first. Oh, when you, we can, when you can first see him, but not necessarily yeah. if he got there first before the others. Okay. Exactly. So then it shows him going inside Walgreens and you can see that he's obviously looking for someone, assumingly Candy and Emmett in the owls. And then he doesn't find them. So he walks back out, goes into the parking lot and, oh no, you're right. He does go there first. Cause then at 10 PM, Candy and Emmett arrive back at Walgreens. Damn. Because, oh, yeah, because they'd gone to the gas station. <laughs> they they went to the gas station, had sex, and then came back to Walgreens. Okay. All right. Um, and then Candy said that there was no altercation. So she's saying that nothing, ha- like no fight happened. She said that Emmett and Rob did stand face to face, and they, sh- they stood there, like, sorry, she stood there thinking this is so ridiculous, and then she heard gunshots, and then Candy ran over to Rob and tossed the gun. So that's why she's saying she tossed the gun, is that, I mean, I just find it all too stupid, to be honest, in terms of, like, if you, like, if your husband and the guy you're having an affair with start fighting surely you would go over and check it out you wouldn't wait until you heard gunshots to then go over and be like "Ooh, what's well up? and also yeah you don't yeah you don't wait and then you hear gunshots but also they both were shot in the head yeah exactly so, like how would that you know it that wouldn't work you know unless one of them shot themselves which i don't think is the case here and then also why would you toss the gun i guess maybe her reasoning would be like i didn't want either of them to reach for it but they're not going to reach for it if they've been shot in the head exactly exactly it just none of it makes sense and it doesn't add up and of course the one person who i think who could make sense of it is dead so yep uh-huh yeah. Um, so then the police ask Candy about her relationship with Emmett. And at first, she actually denies having an affair. Oh, my God. She's the- so sketchy. Candy, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she denies having an affair. And then finally, you know, the, the police are actually like, um, we have printed emails between you and Emmett. So, <laughs> yeah. um, And they found those printed emails in Rob's car. <gasps> so clearly Rob found out about it, printed clearly. off the emails and were, was going to Walgreens to confront them about it. Uh huh. Uh huh. So, and um, that was Rob's gun, correct? Yes. And that was Rob's gun. Yeah. So then Candy, after, you know, the police are like, we have printed emails. She was like, oh, okay, right. Yeah. We were having an affair. Let me tell you the truth. Okay. Um, Yeah. So then now, so let's get to the conviction. So they go to trial and Rob obviously is the one on trial. um, And evidence came back that proved that Rob was the only one who pulled the trigger on the gun. Okay. So there was no like gunshot residue on candy or anything. No. And it, it, because they made it sound like Emmett drew the first shot, like he shot Rob first, but in reality, probably what happened is, they started fighting, Rob pulled gun, and Emmett was struggling to, like, basically take the gun away from him or point it somewhere else, but Rob shot um, maybe after Emmett went ahead and, like, you know, like, was while he was struggling, I think Rob essentially shot himself. Okay, and then he was able to pull it away and shoot Emmett twice. Okay, all right. Yeah. So then, so Rob was initially charged with first degree murder, but at his trial, there wasn't enough evidence to convince the jury that the murder was premeditated. So on October 25th, I'm, I feel like the I feel like the printouts. And right. That shows is premeditated. That yeah, in my opinion, the printouts and then like him going there and looking around the aisles and him having the gun on and him. And he had a gun. Yeah. That's, that's like it wasn't just like a rage in the moment, moment of like heated moment, like I'll just kill you. It's like he thought about it and brought all the equipment. But you know what I thought of too, because I thought the same. I was like, to me, isn't it obvious it's premeditated? But then I thought, okay, this is a trial taking place in Idaho. Imagine the jury in Idaho. They're probably thinking like, you know oh, what? They that all Emmett, carry guns. <laughs> yeah, they all carry guns. And they're probably like, that Emmett got what he deserved. Like, oh, he just Jesus. had an affair. 
got to take action into your own hands. Like totally, obviously speculating. These are just my assumptions, but it wasn't surprising to me to know that the jury, you know, didn't find it premeditated. Yeah. Yeah. So, so on 2000, so October 25th, 2012, Rob Hall was found guilty of second degree murder and he was sentenced to 30 years in prison. Okay. Um, And then Candy was not charged at all in the connection to Emmett's murder. So nothing happened with her. And Rob's conviction was upheld. So after he tried to overrun it and to get a new trial and his conviction was upheld. Well, that's good. I mean, I'm a little. Yeah, that's so crazy. Like if you if you discover or think that like your spouse is cheating, like the the solution is not to go kill them. The solution is to get a divorce. (laughs) You you talk about it and then you get a divorce like that's the solution. We didn't see we didn't see Ashley going out there with a gun and printed emails. So speaking of Ashley, so this is what I wanted. So so that's the the case, which is it's still a lot of loose ends untied. Like I find a lot of holes are in that story. Yeah. A lot of things that I don't really know. Like I would, I just, it's one of those cases where it's like, yeah, Rob was convicted. He's gone to prison, but I still think there was something else to it that we just I don't. know. My mind is, is kind of like going a little bit, especially with like the candy tossing the gun thing like you'd think at minimum that would be kind of like messing with evidence but who knows I don't know I wasn't there well and I just think candy plays a much bigger part in all of this than than what is led to be like so basically so let me chat a bit about Ashley and then I want to say when I watched the Dr. Phil segment which you know the one I watched is only about five minutes or something and it's essentially so Ashley takes out a restraining order against uh Candy. Oh yeah, yeah. So after it I happened. Would. Yeah, exactly, which I think is fair enough. And like I guess Candy was like trying to get in contact with her to say sorry or whatever. And Ashley's just like, leave me and my family alone. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And then Candy is telling Dr. Phil that basically Ashley is telling everyone that she's a whore that she's a horrible woman, that she is responsible for Emmett's death. And, you know, how could she do this when she knew that Emmett was married with five kids that, you know, she saw the pictures of Ashley and the kids on his desk every day. They even chatted in the office, like Ashley Mm -hmm. and Candy would talk in the office and like knew each other, Mm -hmm. you know? So, Mm -hmm. um, and then, so this is Ashley's side of the story. And then Candy goes on to Dr. Field to be like, I want to tell my side of the story because Emmett was telling her that basically, you know, all of this stuff was hurt. Like it was Ashley's fall. I'm totally, you know, she's trying to make that bad guy and was saying that he was the one who was telling her that. Um, oh, that was the other thing too, because Ashley was saying that, um, Candy's husband Rob was like abusive or whatever and Emmett was telling and so Candy's side of the story is that Emmett was telling Candy that he should go like get help because her husband's abusive and blah 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 but then Candy's telling Ashley and everyone else that I never said that my husband isn't abusive like all these weird things were like clearly candy's lying yeah and yeah trying to make emmett into this bad person who was saying that he and he wanted to go and stop everything with rob and wanted to go get therapy or to get help because rob was abusive and candy's denying that and saying none of that was true and blah 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 so she's saying it's all emmett's fault so watch the Dr. Phil segment because you get to see both of them and they both look so Idahoian. I don't know. <laughs> but, and very, and Ashley's very Mormon. Like as soon as she comes out, I was like, oh my gosh, she's so Mormon. Um, and even one line I had to write on there that I was giggling so hard because, you know, you do feel bad for Ashley. Obviously she is the victim in this play in yeah. this situation as well as Emmett. And so you do feel bad for her, but she's like trying to be firm with candy and she goes, for gosh sake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's incredible. 
And I just like couldn't stop laughing. I like repeated that probably like I had to rewind and watch it a few times because I was like, that is just so important. You have to send me that link. I'm going to watch it right after this and I'm going to put it in the show notes so that everyone can go watch it. (laughs) I definitely will. I'll send you I'll send you the article where I got um, most of I mean, all of this is from that Kylie's True Crime. And she has a segment in that blog post. So you can just watch it from there. Perfect. And it's really good. Um, Then, okay, so just a few things about Ashley. And then I just wanted to share a quick clip from a new story. Nice. Um, Okay, wait, before you move on to Ashley, I just wanted to say, don't you think it's, it's odd? Like if I was in Candy's position, where my husband had killed my lover, like my, who I was cheating on him with, I wouldn't go on Dr. Phil and talk about it. Like, I feel like that's such a weird mindset and also a bad look to be like talking poorly about the deceased when your husband killed him. Like, I know. And true. It's not a good thing. Like he did a bad thing by cheating with her, but she also was cheating. So why is yeah. she making it to be like, well, he brought this on himself, just made my husband too mad and was making up lies about him, you know, being abusive. It's like, well, he obviously was abusive. He came and he murdered someone. So exactly. And you're so right. And that's what Phil. that's what even Ashley says on the Dr. Phil segment is that she's basically like trying to make it seem like it's all Emmett, blah, blah, blah. And then Ashley's like, yeah, but if that's how you feel about him, then why did you have sex with him? Why did you sleep with my husband? Yeah. If he's that horrible. And she's like, well, you know, an affair is a nasty thing and I'm not trying to excuse myself. And it's like, well, you, you are though, like you're trying yeah. to be the victim. The whole thing she's doing. Yeah. Her whole motive here is to make excuses and try to make people not, you know, to, to, to be on her side in this. And if I was her, I would just be quiet. <laughs> yeah. That's what she should. She should just say, here's an, an official public statement where I am offering my sincerest apologies and out of respect, I will just drop this, like get out of public eye, leave you and your family alone. Like that's what I can do, but not, you know, she's obviously riding on the fame part of it of like, Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, I'm now known. So let me get on Dr. Phil. (laughs) Oh my God. Which I just can't, I didn't even know Dr. Phil was still in air. Like, honestly, I thought he'd stopped in like the early 2000s. So that was a little nostalgic moment for me to go back and watch a Dr. Phil episode. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, I just looked up, I just looked up pictures on Google. Okay, great. Yes, please do. (laughs) Can you see exactly what I'm talking about? Like, especially Uh Ashley Corgan, like she looks like, if, if I think of a Mormon from either Utah or Idaho, Mormon woman, she's yeah. what I think of. Oh, totally. Like, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, they're both pretty. They're both yeah, pretty. they're both gorgeous women. And, yeah. you know, it, it's a tragic that or tragedy that any of that had happened in the beginning, and especially to Ashley. But it also is like she's very, again, in Dr. Phil's segment, she's like, I just want to I basically move on my life. So you you get this feeling like, oh, she's going through the repentance and like forgiveness Mm -hmm. process. And that's she's trying to. Um, So just a quick, like I looked up Ashley Corgan on Wikipedia. This is where I'm getting it from. Because I wanted to know a bit more about her, Uh especially from a Mormon background. Because all they describe her as is, is a, a homemaker basically. Right. So right. Um, I wanted to give her a bit more like description if possible so that, cause I feel like it is unfair that in most of the depictions, she's just like a stay at home wife who sounds pathetic and right. yeah. she might be that person, but I just think it's an unfair narrative to, to give her. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So it says that she attended Lone Peak high school. <gasps> Lone Peak. That's an Alpine. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I bet Katie knows this because I had no idea. So. Y'all, that's where like when I especially, I don't know if it, this is still the stereotype, but when I was in high school, Lone Peak was like one of our rivals and also an extremely wealthy school. So you'd go by there and the parking mm-hmm. lot's filled with like Mercedes and BMW, very like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, expensive, uh, you know, more wealthy Mormon and all, I think basically all Mormon too. 
<laughs> sure. That that sounds about right. And I mm-hmm. kind of got that vibe from just her in general when she was speaking and everything. I was like, oh, I think she comes from well off to do oh, that. I'm, around, yeah, but. I would guess so. Because I think if you live in that area, for the most part, you're going to come from money. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. And so then this part I thought was kind of fucked up Wikipedia. It's like she graduated from Utah State University. However, she turned out to be a homemaker. However, excuse you, Wikipedia. You know what? She's a mom of five. That's way more than like most careers could even handle. Like most people who have five full time jobs. (laughs) Yep. And you're taking care of a house too. Like, yeah, yeah. it's a full time job. Like, I get really pissed off when people diss homemakers. Like, you don't have to have a kid either to be a homemaker. Exactly. It's it's, not easy to take care of a household, even if there's no children. Then you add children in, and it's a whole other level. (laughs) It's a whole other level. I'm telling you so much respect. Like, I, yeah, I just get annoyed when this I hate that narrative, too, that we have to, like, we, I find us, we have to, like, um, balance that line, because a lot of times we hate, like, the narrative that the church teaches that that's what you have to be. And so I feel like we always are constantly saying like, you can be that, but you don't have to be that because the church tells you that's all you have to be. And I never want to come across as like how it's sounding on Wikipedia. Like, yeah, oh, exactly. she's a homemaker. It's like, no, I want women to do what they want to do. And either way is amazing. So a hundred percent and no yeah. one should be judging what anyone does nope. and it should just be respectable. Like, and it is like, that's why it's so frustrating and don't even get me. This is a whole tangent. I can go down. Like <laughs> the fact that women have to always consider, you know, the pressures of being a mother and having a career or not having a career and giving that up or sacrificing your sanity, your time, everything to balance the two. Or if you just say that you're going to stay at home, it's like the negative stereotypes, right. like mm-hmm. all these things that I'm just like, men don't have to even consider any of this shit. Right. So pissed off. Like, <laughs> anyways. Um, okay. So she apparently, <laughs> this is another thing that Wikipedia says after uh, Emmett's infidelity and his death, she became a fierce and independent woman. Which, okay, but maybe she was that before. We yeah, don't know. Maybe, I could yeah, you'd be wrong. You but... can be fierce and independent and be married. Like, exactly. But, okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, she founded a nonprofit organization called A Reason to Stand. It helps individuals to overcome sorrow, trauma, and grief and heal their wounds. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, and she also has a personal blog titled The Moments We Stand, where she shares the stories of people who face infidelity. And she's also a makeup artist at a place called Standing Beautiful. Oh, nice. So that's Ashley today. So I really I'm, hope that she's like, because she's Mormon, I really hope that she hasn't had to deal with the whole like, you must forgive bullshit. Because a lot of times that's what we're taught. Like, even when you're not Mormon, it's like, oh, you just have to forgive and move on. But like, I don't think in any way that she's obligated to forgive Candy or Candy's husband for what happened. No. Like they took her husband and the father of her children and the Mormon teaching is like, you always have to forgive. And I don't think she has to. <laughs> no, she doesn't. If it's for her own personal, like mental health or whatever right. that she forgives, then great. But for anyone to pressure her to forgive and especially on their timetable, which is also another thing that the Mormon church drives this narrative of, you have to forgive people immediately. And it's like, no, you can either not forgive or you can take however the fuck you need, like however long you need to forgive someone. Like it's not on anyone else's time, but yours. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So I am, so I just want to end on this YouTube video. So it's a news story in Idaho that has um, a clip of Ashley. So I think, because it's such a short clip and it's a news one, we can share it on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Just so you can hear kind of, you you can definitely hear the Mormon voice. Awesome. (laughs) Um, But also I think it's good because she's basically like trying to make it so that victims have more of a voice. And so it's her talking about, I think a legislative law that they wanted to pass to allow like victims to have more of a, a say so. Okay. What's going on. So let me just pull it up. 
And I'll put it to the mic. At 10 on this Thursday night on the Capitol Watch, and an emotional hearing is being planned for next week at the State House as a new resolution will be introduced expanding victims' rights in the gem state. This amendment is aimed at giving victims more of a voice throughout the entire criminal justice process. Our Morgan Boydson talked with advocates of the legislation, known across the country as Marcy's Law. She joins us now live at the Idaho State House to tell us more about it. More Versions of Marcy's Law have been passed in five states, and now Idaho is one of anywhere it's being pushed. A lot of key players worked on this constitutional amendment, from victims' rights advocates to sheriffs and prosecutors. Many of those people will be speaking at the State House next week, talking about the pain that victims endure. You don't plan ever to be a victim. On the night of March 11, 2011, Ashley Burke's husband, Emmett Corrigan, was murdered in a Meridian Walgreens parking lot. He was having an affair, and the husband came, and um, with two shots of a gun, I was made a widow at the age of 28. Three shots were fired. 28. As the trial for her husband's murderer, Robert Hall, loomed, Ashley held out hope for answers, for healing. Living through the trial was its own trauma. Hall was convicted of second-degree murder, but that didn't provide the healing or closure Ashley was hoping for. When you don't feel like you have a voice or you don't feel like... You're remembered every single day by the end of the trial. It's almost like I was worse off. Ashley wishes she could have been included in the trial more frequently and wishes she was informed much sooner before Hall posted bail. If Marcy's law is approved and the laws change, those kind of situations won't blindside people. Ashley is one of many advocates of Marcy's law who want to ensure that victims and their families are given the same constitutional rights as the accused or convicted individual. Idaho has some. Okay. So you get to hear, I mean, I think what yeah. she's doing is amazing. And yeah. Um, yeah, obviously something to consider. But even then, like, that was a good reminder of, you guys, she was 28. That's crazy. She was 28 and had five kids. Has five kids, yeah. She has five kids, but she was made a widow at 28. I can't, I'm 33 and I like, I can't even fathom. I can't even imagine that. And you know, something else that that made me think of that I wonder if it's a struggle for her is the concept of like the eternal marriage stuff because she was, I'm sure, married in the temple to him. And so now, in Mormon doctrine, they're married. She's his wife in the afterlife, right? And all those kids are his kids. But like now she knows he was having an affair that must have some mixed feelings with her, right? Like, do you want to be, you know, you love that man, but he was cheating and then he was taken from you. And then what if she gets remarried? Is she going to have to cancel? Can Mm -hmm. she cancel her first marriage if she doesn't have the, because she can't get the Approval no, she can't cancel unless. Well, I don't know. That's a tricky one because now he's he's gone. Yeah. Well, and also because he cheated, he had an affair. I right. think that is a way that you can divorce someone. The temple. the temple divorce. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know how it would work since he's he's dead now. Like I don't know. Right, and then you wonder like what her conflicted feelings would be, not only for herself, but like she believes that that's going to be in the afterlife like how would that affect the relationship with the children like because the children were technically born under his covenant under his ceiling so then do they need to get resealed to someone else if she eventually remarries like what a complicated system the church has set up for victims of of tragedies like this it's so complicated and it offers no support or empathy during or comfort Right. During such a, a just, tough time like this. It like, just adds to stress to it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. All right, guys. That was the, the story of Emmett Corgan and Ashley and Candy Hall and Rob Hall, which wow. is just. What a wild ride and an amazing, amazing telling of it. It was a tragic uh, story, but you did an amazing job. I'm so grateful that you prepared all that for us. Listeners, I'm sure you are too. Didn't she do a fabulous job? guys. <laughs> and another just shout out to our listener, Steph, for the idea. I really appreciate it. It was a great topic. And if you guys have any more really interesting, crazy, wild Mormon stories, it doesn't have to necessarily be true crime, but 
Um, I just think they're really fascinated because there's that extra level or layer of of understanding on our side. Like it's yeah, it's, it makes it not relatable, but you're able to be like, whoa, okay. So they're not only they're dealing with in this case a death, a murder, a horrible crime, but also we can imagine how they're processing it because uh-huh. of Mormon. Um, yeah. Or what led up to it, like how they handled it, you know, I'm sure Ashley, too, even though she thought that her husband was having an affair, you know, as Mormon women, you're taught to just pray and trust that they're a righteous man mm-hmm. and forgive them and whatever. And so you just think what would have happened in a situation where maybe she wasn't Mormon, like, I know things, you know, it's just. I find them so fascinating. It's fascinating because we can put ourselves in those shoes quite easily Mm -hmm. because we've been there. Yeah. So listeners do send us more suggestions. And I wanted to quickly say before we leave, um, I know that we've gotten a lot of suggestions from you all, but if you send them in our Instagram DMs, sometimes they get lost. So if we haven't covered it, and even if we've said like, oh, cool, thanks for the idea. If we haven't covered it, feel free to just message us again, because um, they get lost. And if you can email us, it's easier to find and sort them. So email us at not so Molly Mormon podcast at gmail.com. That's a lot easier for us to keep track of because trust me, we love all your suggestions. Just sometimes they get a little lost (laughs) in the DMs. Please, but. just to echo that, like, I think that's why I found Steph's topic or suggestion quite easy because it was in our, our Gmail account, which the emails are much easier to sort through and filter, whereas our Instagram is really fun and we love getting the messages, but we get an overwhelming amount of amazing <laughs> messages. And we also yeah. have a request folder that at the moment is like, it's I'm not gonna lie so if you have sent us a message and you haven't heard from us it's because it's in this folder of requests that we have about 50 (laughs) or 60 unread messages in there so so (laughs) do not get mad like I promise we're not ignoring you I promise we're not listening to your suggestions it's just a bit harder to organize an Instagram so if you do have a really great story you want to share or a topic suggestion or anything at all, send it to our Gmail and we're more likely to more likely to see, to see it. it yeah. and there. <laughs> well, thank you again, Sarah. You're wonderful. You and thank you all for listening. You guys have a great week. We'll talk yeah, to you. Have a great week. We'll, we'll chat with you later. Bye. Oh, bye. Bye.